Uh, we are getting closer and closer to Tisha B'Av. This coming Sunday is the observance. It's actually Saturday night and Sunday, the 10th of Av this year. But we are getting closer and closer. And one of the one of the ways that Tisha B'Av has become even more meaningful for those in our community who pay careful attention to these things is through the OU's presentation of their webcast from uh, more than one location. We'll explain all of that coming up next at America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, broadcasting live in the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world in the web, jmtheam.org, and of course, on the NSN app. Rabbi Stephen Weil is in our studio. He is Senior Managing Director of the Orthodox Union. He and Rabbi Weinrib uh, together this coming, uh, well, not together, we'll explain that in a moment, but uh, this coming Sunday we'll be presenting the uh, OU's webcast of the Kinos service to make everybody's Tisha B'Av even more meaningful, especially for those who are not able to make it to synagogue, but even if you are able to, you will find these two sessions extremely beneficial to you to enhance the Tisha B'Av experience. Rabbi Weil, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. I appreciate that. The concept is, if I have it right, that Rabbi Weinrub is going to be in Israel, right, in Jerusalem. You will be down in Florida. In Boca Raton. In Boca Raton. And uh, each of you will give your own presentation of the Kinnis service uh, live, right? They'll both be carried live on the web. There's actually five shuls that come together in South Florida to the Boca Raton Synagogue. Uh, where where we have the webcast and where we have the uh, it's about five and a half hours of of learning kinos and experiencing re- reliving and re-experiencing the tragedies of Jewish history. Who's responsible for five synagogues being able to come together to be unified That's on a day like that and to actually hold a program like that together? We actually do that. They're they're all OU synagogues. In fact, in Florida, we have tens of OU synagogues. And those that are in that area of what we call Southern Palm Beach County come together. It's pretty amazing. And a good message for Tisha B'Av, actually. Yes, it is. I assume Rabbi Weinrib will be at the OU Center in Israel. Yeah, Rabbi Weinrib will be broadcasting there. He also gets a nice crowd. Many of the people from Rehavia are American Olim, and they come. This year, what's interesting is the United Synagogue, the shuls in Great Britain, yeah. are going to be in their shuls, are going to be broadcasting the, uh, the Florida broadcast. It's, it's, afternoon in Tish- it's afternoon in England, but it's right. a Sunday. People are off. Right. So people all over Scotland, England, and Ireland are going to be coming and participating in the broadcasts that I do from, from Florida. How does one prepare... For a Kinnis broadcast, what has the last week or two, and I know it's longer than that for you, because like anybody who's heard your presentation, it's obvious that you've been preparing for quite a while before Tisha B'Av. But what are these couple of weeks before the observance of Tisha B'Av like for you? So it's interesting. I give a, a shear at Goldman Sachs. I give a shear in Midtown at the Grand Havana Room. There another group of hedge fund guys. So the the couple of weeks leading up to Tisha B'Av, instead of us learning a sugin Gemara or Chumash, we're analyzing Kinos. So it's almost like they're like the, the I hate to say the preseason because God forbid, you know, I take it very seriously. But a lot of the analysis, like in, I'll use in those shiurim, and then you know what comes out of that, obviously I've prepared for it, but that's the, the pre-run, and then a lot of that will come out on Tisha B'Av itself. And uh, as you go through the kinos, is it, um, is it that certain years you concentrate on certain kinos and others you'll take others? Or are you able to find additional insights 
into those you've already analyzed and utilize those insights this coming year? A lot of the kinos, you know, it's like anything else that you learn again and again and again. You see different layers in it, right. especially with the Kalir. Uh, the, the, the man was just a, not only masterful when it came to language, but his ability to weave psukim, midrashim, amare chazal, fascinating. So I would say there are different layers. I prepare about 30, 35 kinos. We'll probably get to 16, 15 over the six hours. You know, it's, we never get... Well, yeah, look, the people get tired. I could, I could go to 6.30 because I've got the material, but it's not going to happen. Um, uh, this year, though, we have, we have two, two unique insights this year. And that, of course, the two of us were speaking about before. Right. It's the 40th anniversary of Entebbe. And there were five korbanos at Entebbe. Not to mention Surin Hershko, who for the last 40 years has been a quadriplegic as a, as a function of him you know, trying to save the hostages. He was a paratrooper. Paratrooper, yeah. And a fascinating man, a family who came from Romania. They were one of the Jews who Ceausescu sold to Israel. A really thoughtful, fantastic man. Um, we're going to talk about the sad part of Entebbe, you know, the part that doesn't necessarily get the, um, because it's the 40th anniversary, doesn't get the press that the positive part does. Right. As well, this is the 75th anniversary of the destruction of Latvian, of Lithuanian, Estonian, and Ukrainian Jewry. And then, as we talked about the two of us together, in 39, you had the, the pact where Molotov represented Stalin, von Ribbentrop represented Hitler, and they were going to divide up Poland, the Baltic states. Well, that was a dupe. Hitler just needed some time, and he waited till the summer, till June of 41, broke the pact. When the Wehrmacht came into the Baltic states, to the Ukraine, to white Russia, to Belarus, followed them was the SS. They had Waffen SS because the Lithuanians were horrifically anti-Semitic. They blamed the Jews for all the problems of communist cause. Between the Waffen SS, between the Einsatzgruppen, the annihilation that happened... Believe it or not, there's a smaller percentage of Lithuanian, of Latvian Jews that survive than even Polish Jews. Mm. Because cause the mass murders of, of Lithuanian, Latvian, Estonian Jews, most of them at the hands of their own countrymen, you know, who were tremendous Nazi sympathizers, um, they, were, they were annihilated mo- for the most part in 41. Um, this summer, this ex- summer, 75 years ago. Explain why it's not unusual and why this practice has been in practice for hundreds of years for Jews to include recent events in the observance of Tisha B'Av, which is, of course, 2,000 years old. Yeah. I'm going to borrow from the terms of the Gadol Hador from the Rav. You know, in, in we, when we published the, the Rabbi Soloveitchik Kinos, the OU in, right. in Koran. Which is amazing. He says, you know, when you're looking at the destruction of the towns of the German Rhineland from the, s- the spring of 1096 that we observe on Tisha B'Av, right. you almost feel like you're reading the towns in Europe in 1939 through 1945. Um, when you're looking, for instance, at the impact that one human being had, whether it's Yoshiau HaMelech from the Bias Rishon, whether it is the story of the son and daughter of Rabbi Yishmael Kohen Gadol, whether it's the story of the Ten Martyrs, 
you know, on the one hand, we're analyzing their lives and the impact and the deprivation of the loss of losing them. But we could, we could literally, in those words, we could change the names. We think about what happened in Europe 75 years ago. We think about what happened un, under the Ukrainians and the, the Cossacks in, in the Chimonitsi massacres of the 17th century. You know, it, what, what I'm not doing this year, but uh, you know, shame on me that I'm not, I have the Svartic Kinos, the Spanish-Portuguese Kinos, and some of the other Svartic Kinos. And you see the tragedies of the, of the great Jewish communities of Svarad. And, and it's almost like, unfortunately, because of the nature of our history, and because the world has always been threatened by our message, by who we are and what we stand for, um, to a certain degree, many of these Kinos become ahistorical. Rabbi Stephen Weil is here. Um, many of us, especially those of us who are familiar, for instance, with high holiday liturgy, uh, are sometimes amazed, those of us who are Ashkenazim, are sometimes amazed at how different the Spartic approach is to the high holiday liturgy, for instance. So, you know, things that are crescendos for our service are not even included in their service and vice versa. Is there a big difference between the Kinnis in the Ashkenazi community as compared to the Sephardic community? Yes. Um, our focus, for instance, in some of our kinos, what happened in Germany in 1096, what happened with the destruction of French Jewry, the 41st kinos, Shalis Rufa Baish, where the Maram of Rottenberg was a student of Rabbi Yechiel of Paris, and he's an eyewitness to Nicholas Donin, who was a Gishma de Yid, became a Dominican friar, where the Dominican friars, really at the behest of Pope Gregory the Ninth, being pushed or supported, I should say, by King Louis the Ninth. By the way, Nachum, whenever I say the word St. Louis, I choke. St. Louis, you know, nothing against the Cardinals, right? <laughs> right. But St. Louis, and it's a beautiful city, wonderful. My kids live there, you know, it's wonderful. But the problem is, is St. Louis... He, as a function of his destruction of, of the Jewish people through destroying all Jewish text, even though we were not expelled to like 1306, the end of French Jewry was 1242. Mm. And that was at the hand of Louis IX, who, as a function of this great act, became, he became sainted by, by the papacy. Right. Um, I'm sorry about that. So we, you were asking about... What and, in addition, and in addition, when we think of the word St. Louis, we think of one of the horrific episodes of, uh, of the war. Yeah. Of, the, of the ship being turned back. My great uncle was on that ship. Yeah. Your great uncle was on the St. Louis. Yes. Goes to the U.S. then down to Cuba, is not admitted to Cuba and ends up back in Central Europe. So they, you know, they they came off the ship in Holland. Right. Somehow, through some way, through God's miracles, he he survived. But he knew many. He had many peers on that ship, and he knew many who never made it out of Europe. So wow. So I was asking you about Ashkenazim yeah, and Sephardim. <laughs> the Sephardim are not going to focus on, right. on the terrible blasphemy against the Talmud, the terrible attack on the Torah Shabal Peh that happened by the Dominican friars in, the 13, in 1240 and 1242 in France. They're not as focused on the First Crusade, on the destruction of the Balia Masor of the German Rhineland. So they're going to focus on issues and tragedies that happened in the lands of Sephardim. You know, the um, the discussion every year uh, often turns to how is it that we can mourn something that happened, you know, 2,000 years ago. Uh, is that the reason why so many of the events in Jewish history have seeped into the Tisha B'Av observance? Because it's really the only way for us to continue, you know, reaching back and observing a period of mourning for the Holy Temple? 
See, th- that's such a profound question. The, the Rav addressed your question. He said, and, and I, if I could use a litmus test to, to try to frame it, with the exception of Rabbi Yochanan, all of the Tanayim and Amorayim wanted the fast to be on the 9th of Av, which is what we observe, right. not the 10th of Forgetting this year, that's a nidcha. Right. I'm talking about, let's say that it didn't fall out on Shabbos. Why? Even though the, the large majority of the destruction was the 10th, the afternoon of the 9th is when General Titus comes in with a woman of ill repute, and he engages in fornication in the Kodesh Kedoshim. The Rav said, we are, not celebra- we are not commemorating the destruction of a piece of real estate. Look, as Jews, we, we value real estate, <laughs> but we're not, we're not commemorating the destruction of a piece of real estate. What are we mourning? The term he used was silu kashchina. That, that intense providential relationship that we had, that intense, w- w- the opposite of silu kashchina is hashra'a sashchina. The fact that God, so to speak, abandoned in terms of his providential relationship, the abode, the Jewish people, that allowed and that tolerated Titus to do what he did with a woman of ill repute. But what's the point? He said that all tragedy throughout the millennia, all tragedy throughout the millennia stems from that act of Silo Kashchina. That's what, that's what we're mourning. Because when you don't have the opposite, Hashra Sashchina, then the Germans can do what they did. Hamas can do what it does. Hezbollah can do what it does. The Shiite Republic, you know, the Khamenei and, and the Imams can do what they do. And, and he had a fascinating story that happened between him and Menachem Begin. You know that Yom HaShoah was declared. They, they originally wanted to have it on Pesach because right. what happened? They wanted to commemorate the, the Warsaw Ghetto Revolt. Right. So the religious party said you can't have a Yom HaShoah on Pesach. They pushed it to the week after. Menachem Begin was very close with the Rav. It goes back a couple of generations. The Rav's grandfather, Rav Chaim, was the, not only the Gadol Dor, but he was the Rav of Brest-Litovsk, of what we call Brisk in, in Belarus. Who is the president of the community? Menachem Begin's father. So the two of them got along very well. But when Theodore Herzl died, they didn't know it. They didn't have, you know, Fox News or CNN or the Internet at that point. They found out, you know, days later. So they, they decided, the president of the community, they were going to have an askara for the shloshim of Herzl. Where? In the main shul in Brisk. The Gadol Hadar Chaim says, absolutely not. You know, Theodore Herzl may have been a nice person, but that's, he's not something you'd put in the shul. That's not what he stood for. Look at what Zionism is. What happened? In the age-old minhag of Kala Yisrael, he might have been the Gadol Hador, but the Balabatim, <laughs> Menachem Begin's father trumped them, and they had the Askara in the main shul. So the Rav used to tease Menachem Begin about that. They would tease each other about that all the time. Begin wanted to come to Boston to meet with the Rav. The Rav said, no, you're the Nasi. There has to be respect for the position that you have. The Rav would come to him. You know, Menachem Begin came in October during UN week. You know it yourself sure. from living in New York, what it does to traffic. So the Rav would always come, and they would meet. The Rav pushed Begin really hard to get to change Yom HaShoah. He says, you can't have theologically a Yom HaShoah outside of Tisha B'av. Tisha B'av is Yom HaShoah. All Churban stems from Silu Kashchina, and he convinced Begin. And Begin went back to Israel, and his goal was to change Yom HaShoah to Tisha B'av. He was all ready, and he was working. And the educational establishment sat down with him. They said, you know, Mar Begin, you of all people know, his whole family was annihilated. Right. You know, he 
was very insightful, and he fled. You know, most said, look, they, their whole context was World War I. World War I, who was better to us? The Germans were far better to us than the Russians. They stayed in Poland, and they were annihilated. He jumped over into, into Russia. He, he suffered in Siberia, but he survived. You know, his family was wiped out. So he really had an appreciation for w- what, what Yom HaShoah was. So they said to him, the educational establishment, they said, the ninth of Av, all the school children, all the high schools, there's no school, it's, it's vacation. If you want to teach the Shoah and you want to teach, you know, Israelis to, to live in the context of what happened and to appreciate what happened, the only way we can do that is if you have a Yom HaShoah during the school year. So he backed off. Even though his intention was to move it to Tisha B'Av, when he realized what it would do educationally to the school year, he backed off. Interesting. And there is a component of heroism, uh, Yom HaShoah V'Hagvura. There's a component of heroism to it also, so maybe it's not totally a day that's focused just on the tragedy, but on some of the positive aspects of that period as well. Rabbi Steve Weil is here. We're talking about the OU webcast. This coming Sunday, uh, go to OU.org for information, OU.org, where you can register and be part of the experience this Sunday. Rabbi Weinrib is going to be in Jerusalem. Rabbi Weil is going to be down in Florida, and you have an opportunity to uh, tune in and really be inspired and informed. I think one of the frustrating things for the average person, including myself out there, is uh, the the most of the kinos are, are m- even more difficult for us to understand than, you know, basic uh, uh, basic liturgy or, you know, things we're used to from the Siddur or even the Chumash. Uh, would you agree that some of them are written in difficult poetic fashion that uh, the average person finds hard to decipher at times? You know, you're so insightful, Nachum. The Ibn Ezra says, exa- the Ibn Ezra was extremely critical of us, you know, learning or, or reciting the Kinos of the Kalir. Because he says, you know, the goal, a person has to understand what they're saying. If they communicate to the Almighty, they've got to understand it. And with the words of the Kalir, and and one thing I think, we've talked about this in years past. The Rav, Rabbi Soloveitchik, opened up many, many worlds. Many of the piyutim of the Kalir on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. The Malchios, Zichronos, and Shofros. But for sure, one of the things that he opened up to us was the Kinos of Tisha B'Av. People would come from all over the country. They would come to Boston for Tisha B'Av. You know, and he used to sit and he'd give a shear first and he'd recite Kinos till 5 o'clock. You know, and uh, I have some of those recordings and that's what we used. I have to thank Abe Lovovitz, that's how he recorded the Rav and the Rav allowed him to record him. And we used that to produce the um, the, the Kinos of Rabbi Salavechik, the OU Kinos. As well, J.J. Schechter's book, J.J. used those tapes as well through the Torah Sarav Foundation, The Lord is Righteous in All His Ways. All that material came from those years in Boston. Unbelievable. And, uh, and, and you're, but you're so right. The Ibn Ezra was very critical of it, of, of the Kalir. Thank God we have the Rav Zetzal and we have the ability to understand the Kalir. It's, it's extremely rich. Extremely rich. And, and I hate to say this, but thanks to the Kalir and thanks to Rabbi Soloveitchik opening up the Kalir, I think Tisha B'Av is maybe one of the most meaningful days of the year. And, it, and it's interesting that you say it like that because unless my perspective of 20th century Jewish community is off, I don't think it was ever like that before. I think the Rav, as you just indicated, was really the exception. 
in terms of turning Tishabav from a day of, okay, let's make Kinnis part of davening, so to speak, and, you know, we'll, we'll get through it as we are, you know, reading each and every one of these paragraphs to a day where we could sit and analyze. It's not often where we take a part of what essentially is, you know, part of the tefillah. And I'm not saying Kinnis is tefillah, but it's, it's part of the service. And we stop and do that. Uh, you know, in, in the way that you're doing it, in the way that the Rav did it, etc. So I, I just think that it's a, it's sort of revolutionary. Yeah. In terms of getting to this point where now people understand that it's better to do kinos this way than the old way. Yeah. You know what kinos actually are? Every one of us, every Jew, whether we have parents or don't have parents, our status is me shemesam mutalafan of the Gemara. Literally, what is that phrase? The dead is in front of us, meaning onanim. What we're doing is we're reliving the tragedy. The, the coffin is laying in front of us. And what are the kinos? They're the hespedim. Their eulogy is a, is a poor translation because what a hespade right. is, is we're trying to communicate and to appreciate the state of deprivation, what we've lost in the depth of the tragedy. But we're, we're literally reliving the tragedy each and every year. Like on Pesach, we relive Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. On Tisha B'Av, we relive the tragedy. Hence, and there may be people in this audience who are not familiar, but we can educate everybody and 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 alert them to this. Hence, Tisha B'Av morning, we will not wear towels and tefillin, like an Onain would not wear towels and tefillin. Uh, and obviously, many aspects of Avelos, many aspects of mourning are incorporated, whether it's the, the way we wash or don't wash, uh, how we sit or don't sit, you know, on Tisha B'Av until the middle part of the day. And obviously... For those, uh, I would think at this point, most everyone knows uh, that eating and drinking is restricted on Tisha B'Av. So there are many things that are not done in order to get us into that frame of mind. And, that, you know, it's interesting. The, the, the physical aspects, <laughs> somebody told me this week they were frustrated by the fact that people make siyumim during the nine days. Why would you, and not, not discussing the loophole of a siyum, but just in, in order to eat meat. But just the idea, like if, if we have this practice that allows us and helps us get into the mood of Tisha B'Av, that helps us remember the temple and be even and be and delve more into this area of our history, why would we, you know, why would we give that up? Why wouldn't we use this physical practice to help us get into it instead of looking for quote unquote a way out of it? So. Yeah. I think the Jews in the Southern Hemisphere, they have it easier than us. It's their winter, you know. Right. We're in the middle of summer, and it's just, you know, yeah. especially think about Jews that live in an area like New York or Boston, Philadelphia. You get a s- small window of summer, everyone's excited, and then you get those three weeks in the middle. Mm, yeah, no, I agree with you on that. Also, their fast goes till about 5 o'clock <laughs> in the Southern Hemisphere. <laughs> you know, and I, 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 the, the fact that they're fasting until 9.30 in Asura Mateves doesn't seem, doesn't seem to make up for it, if you know what I mean. <laughs> it is Tishabov, after all. <laughs> but yes, it's a, uh, it is different, depending on where on earth uh, you are. And it's funny, because I once heard a, a contemporary, well-known rabbi analyze the fact, I think it was a one-hour shear, where he analyzed the fact that Judaism is essentially a Western Northern Hemisphere religion, that it's essentially, you know, go our, our halachic decisors, etc., you know, generally are referring to uh, Europe and then afterwards, you know, the United States, etc. Yeah. And not paying much attention to other parts of the world. <laughs> I, I gotta tell you, I, you know, I, I do the Scotland residence for these Costa Rica tours, whether yeah. it's Alaska or the, like this summer we did the Norwegian fjords. 
there are certain places I'm not sure Jews were meant to live. I mean, halachically, it's just challenging. So you're in Norway, and Shabbos ends what time? We lucked out because we actually were on our way back to Amsterdam. So Shabbos, I think, only ended at 11.30. Right. You know, but, but there are certain parts, you know, there are certain parts of Norway, you know, the sun doesn't go down. Right, understood. Um, and if it's... And those poor people during the winter... I mean, I don't think they they see too much sun, you know. In, in right, the I can imagine. And, and in the summer, they don't see much darkness. And in Amsterdam, the fast is going to go for a while. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. Interesting. That, by the way, it's a different discussion, but the, the story of the Jew, these Portuguese Jews who were forced to become conversos, they didn't have the option of right. leaving. And, and when Amsterdam freed itself from Spain and declared its its autonomy and its religious autonomy how these Portuguese Jews came and, and built, rebuilt their lives religiously, Jewishly, but they became responsible for all of international trade. I mean, they were trading on five continents. Wow. That, 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 that group is a fascinating story because literally you have Yesh Mayayan from no Jews in the Netherlands to this community that has a huge impact on our people. I assume you've been in the Great Synagogue of Amsterdam? Yeah, one of the most amazing Portuguese synagogue. One of the most Incredible. amazing structures I've ever seen or been in. It's just, I, I, I cannot get over that visit there. Just unbelievable. And that th- th- it's uh, Brazilian mahogany because they were shipping things to Brazil. You know, they brought this back from Brazil. They were shipping mahogany wood all, all throughout Europe, and they took some of the finest and they used it Zeke Levon Veo to build this gorgeous shul. Oh, you must be an amazing scholar in residence. <laughs> <laughs> Seem to know everything around my while. No, you know what it is? It's it's just fun to learn about different Jewish communities and, and, and different Jews, how what they've added to the Masora. Yeah, no question about that. Uh, the OU presents uh, Kinnis in a uh, unique and, um, and a very interesting fashion. Rabbi Weinrib is going to be in Jerusalem, and Rabbi Weil is going to be in Florida. And OU.org will carry the entire thing, uh, in addition to the hundreds of people that will be with uh, both you and Rabbi Weinrib in the two locations. Uh, enhance your Tishaba by being part of it. And, uh, yeah, you wanted to add? Yeah, I have to thank uh, Richard and Deborah Parkoff. Each and every year, it, it, it's not easy. You know, the, the cost of broadcasting that all over the world, especially a, you know, a clear line communication. And I want to thank Richard and Deborah, who every year provide that. To, last year, I had on, on, on the broadcast, we had actually 12,000 people. <laughs> So it was you know, between those who were there and between the people coming in from, from all these different continents. Yeah, there are people for whom uh, Tisha B'Av is you know, toward the end of the day, and they're, uh, they're tuning in in order to hear the kinnis. So it's, uh, it's an amazing service. You do a great job at it. And those who, wanna, those who get you know, tired or want something to do later in the afternoon will replay the... It won't be live, but right. we'll replay Rabbi Weinrib and myself. So you'll find that at OU.org all through the day. Uh, I wish you a, uh, an easy and meaningful fast. On Thank the you. 10th of Av, this year it's not the nine days, it's the ten days, as I like to say. And uh, and I know we always say this, but hopefully this will be the last time. There's a lot of hope in the Jewish world now, Rabbi Weil. The 21st century has brought us to a point where I think Jews around the world are starting to recognize intellectually uh, the miracle that has occurred in the 20th century for world Jewry. And I think the, the stunning development of the state of Israel and the reunification of Jerusalem is finally seeping in on a much deeper level uh, once people have gotten over the initial euphoria. And I hope that this carries us through the next year to a point where uh, where Jews continue to appreciate what we have 
and uh, don't forget that there was a time when we didn't have any of this and uh and that's that and hopefully we'll continue to progress as a community that's so beautiful the way you said that we yeah. appreciate that yeah. thank you an easy fast and a, at a fast fast as i like to say <laughs> rabbi Stephen weil is the managing uh director senior managing director at the orthodox union he and rabbi weiner present uh kinnis this coming sunday information ou.org go to ou.org